Hi everyone, welcome to Life of Emerald. Life of Emerald presents five episode podcast series on women's equilibrium and the meaning of marriage. Welcoming Dr. Adrian, the founder of That's Allowed podcast and an author of Melting Ivory and Sunder Light, the author of Here Lies Sunder Light. Hi ladies, welcome to our studio. Thanks for having us back again. Yay, hello, hello. Thanks for returning. <laughs> what is conscious relationship? Today we're going to dialogue about the meaning of healthy partnership, healthy marriage, healthy union. What does that look like? Mm, healthy relationship, according to a definition, allows both partners to feel supported and connected but still feel independent. Communication and boundary are the two major components of a healthy relationship. In a healthy relationship with good communication, both partners treat each other with respect. Well, ladies, uh, you guys are, you ladies are in a partnership right now. Um, could you um, let us know what healthy relationship is from an experiential perspective? Absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, I could talk about my relationship all damn day uh, because it took me, you know, 43 years of my life to find it, right? <laughs> like, it is not easy to uh, find a healthy relationship, especially when you didn't have good role models for that growing up. You know, um, if you didn't see that modeled well for you, uh, it takes a lot of trial and error to figure out, hey, this doesn't work for me. <laughs> I think I'm not going to do this again. Uh, but even when you say that, oftentimes you kind of end up getting sucked back into those, you know, those patterns that aren't healthy. And so what I'd really encourage you to do to find that healthy relationship, again, you kind of have to start with having a healthy relationship with yourself. You really have to have that self-respect piece in and that self-love piece in because then you know what it feels like to be loved and supported and respected. And sometimes you can find that with friends, but it really starts, starts with here. And so then when you notice where the kind of edge of that is, of like I'm not feeling you know, supported or loved or respected here. That's where that communication com piece comes in, where you're not attacking, you're not coming in with, you know, you're not doing this for me or, you know, blaming the other person. Like, you're not fulfilling my needs. <laughs> you're coming in and saying, hey, I have this need. Are you interested in hearing about that? And a person who loves you, <laughs> respects you and wants to support you, is going to be interested in that, is going to want to know, oh yeah, of course, how, you know, what's the need? How can I fulfill that need for you? And I think over time you just start to see, again, where that, what that communication feels like with this person, what that kind of back and forth looks like. And you can find ways to bring things up that feel really respectful and healthy and loving and an, like you're giving someone an opportunity rather than a demand. Because people love to be given opportunities to help the people they like, right? But nobody likes to be told what to do. Nobody <laughs> likes to say, you're not doing you know, good enough. You're not giving me what I need. Like nobody wants that, right? Yeah. yeah. 
So a lot of it is just about communicating your own needs and boundaries and being able to say, you know, and and let me clarify what a boundary is because I think there's a lot of confusion around this. The difference between a boundary and a demand is a demand is when you say, you have to do this or else. Like that's like a, it's like a threat, right? I, I need this and so you have to do this for me. That's a demand. A boundary is, if you do this, then I will respond this way. If I see this happening, then here's how I'm going to respond to that. So it's really just about protecting yourself and your space and, and your own self-respect and saying, I will not be treated in this way. And so if you treat me in this way, then this is how I'm going to respond. Just so we're clear on that and we have that clarity. Does that make sense to everyone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the demand part sounds like there is an ultimatum embedded in it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and the, ultimatums uh, don't work. Mm-hmm. They don't work. <laughs> they make that person into an enemy and you want them on your side. You don't, you're not trying to make an enemy. And so if things are not going well in a relationship and you're finding yourself like setting ultimatums, like you, you just got to get out of there, hun. <laughs> that's not, <laughs> that's not healthy. But health, even the healthiest relationships have boundaries where you say, you know, this is a deal breaker for me. And so if this happens, then here's what I will do to protect myself. Well, that sounds also a little bit of uh, ultimatum, isn't it? Sounder, how does it sound like for you? Well, I, I hear from both sides because I, I get from one of the sides is also realizing that the reason it might sound like an ultimatum is because then there's still something that might not be completely resolved yet. So it's almost like it puts up kind of like a boundary saying like, oh, like you can kind of push, but not too much. Because like, at least what I'm finding with this relationship specifically with Daniel is like so often when there's any type of situation in a relationship that I feel like is at least in my mind, like the happiest or the most benevolent in moments that you guys are having like frustrations or stuff. It's kind of like, can you actually just like openly talk to that person? Like, hey, Daniel, I was kind of feeling this way. And before I would have said like, unless we do it this way, like we're, we're just not going to go. Like unless, unless I make sure that I'm always listening to a certain radio station, we're not going on that road trip. And so I feel like, <laughs> something more like an ultimatum like that, like, it used to be like a breaking point for me. Although when you're asking like, what does it feel like to be in a relationship? Like, I know that's a very small example, but similar to like Dr. Adrian, at least from what I'm hearing it from, it's like realizing that there might be something, regardless of how big it is, it might be something bigger. Like maybe you guys have dogs at that point. And it's like, unless we can take all the dogs, we can't go on the road trip. Different than the song being played. And granted, I don't have dogs either. Um, but I'm realizing the same circumstances sometimes comes up for relationships. Sometimes it's something small like a song versus a child versus a house plant. Um, we always have obligations and at least in this circumstance that I call road trip, um, are they responsibilities that we are able to say in our relationship of this partnership that we're taking together is it something we're willing to negotiate about or is it something that we easily say because we're not doing it a certain way i'm going to blame someone else um but yeah i I think it's interesting because ultimatums are an interesting thing like what are those in a relationship that we're not only working with ourselves but with a with a partner 
so yeah, I, I, I love that you just asked that right now, Kate, because I'm like, I don't know what is an ultimatum in a relationship now. <laughs> yeah. And just to clarify, I think, you know, when I say a boundary, it's it's not, you know, and you're saying it sounds like an ultimatum. What I mean by that is that, you know, you're not necessarily saying like, if you do this, I will leave. It's yeah. if you if you're yelling, right, I'm gonna go to the other room. It's mm-hmm. things like that. I it's see. like when when you when you're in a relationship, sometimes people have behavior that sets you off, right? We all have our triggers, we all have our buttons. It's maybe not even about them. It's just about us, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you play that song and it makes me crazy. So like I'm gonna go for a walk now, right? <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's it's it could be small things and it could be big things, but it's just about having that communication of saying, okay, I have a button on this. I'm taking responsibility for having that button. That's my button. And this is my responsibility, okay? Uh, and so recognizing ahead of time, hey, if you do this, I'm likely to respond in this way so that we know what's about to happen. And and you're saying, I'm going to take care of myself by doing this thing. Like, I'm going to go for a walk, or I'm going to go listen to this song, or I might, you know, go to my mom's for a week, or like, whatever it is, <laughs> depending on the, the size of the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> But just clarifying, like, this is a boundary for me. And so that we know where that is. And sometimes you won't know where it is until you trip over it. Right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just trip on a landmine and you go, oops, I didn't know that was there. And you do your best to work through things, right? You can't always predict ahead of time where, where a boundary is going to be. And when that happens, when something kind of goes sideways or goes wrong, what I always try to do is, like, give, you know, give everybody a moment to, like, take a breather go for a walk or like step out or whatever you need to do and then come back and I always I take my you know my husband's hands in mine so while we're talking we're we have that physical connection because it's I find it's much harder (laughs) to be super mad at someone when you're holding their hands and looking in their eyes and if you're too mad yeah if you're still too mad to be able to do that like go go cool off again right like do whatever you need on your side to get to a place where you can reconnect like that but don't have that conversation where you're like in each other's faces or you know what i mean like that that'll just break things down further Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) i know we sound gross but it's it's great (laughs) oh i I don't i I think we're good we sound great (laughs) well you know I like the idea of holding hand and looking at their eyes while working through what is challenging you uh, challenging challenging us and you know when we're setting the boundary we don't even know sometimes where our boundary is until it we are like stepping on that landmine in our psychology yeah Yeah. and that's when again mm -hmm. it's important in that moment to recognize okay I try to use I statements, you know, I'm feeling this way, not you just made me mad or you just did this to me, but I'm feeling really angry right now. So I'm going to go take care of that. And then let's talk this out. Yeah. Taking, taking responsibility for your own emotions and going, okay, something's happening with me right now. (laughs) I could use your support in working through this rather than making them the enemy. Yeah, the the word the the tool that we use that is quite powerful is mm-hmm. taking ownership of your feelings by saying I am feeling blah blah blah. And that means that you're feeling yeah. 
triggered and you're feeling responsible, therefore, I need to take a walk like that. Right. So that's a setting a healthy boundary and communicating responsibly. Sundar Light, exactly. what do you think? Have you are you using I feel statement a lot? It's funny. Um, we were talking about this in my diversity. Well, I, I keep going back to what it was like when we were dealing with like behind closed doors kind of conversations back in college and one of the um, training established ways of conversation were the feel statements. You would say, I know how you feel. I've felt that way before and I have found that. So it's not only sharing a way to connect but it's also sharing empathy in like a way that you could relate with them because you can step into their shoes. Um, so yeah, I, I, I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a type of skill to have when so often we like to say how often we all, are, we all have our triggers. We all have our feelings of like when we've been hurt or when we've been um, um, the, the victim. And so it's so easy for us to do that. Although how often do we turn to the part where we realize we can be the victors and then take on like, okay, I can let them be the person who I can say I, I relate with them. So in this example of like, um, I, I know what it, it feels like to I don't know, um, be blamed uh, for something that it wasn't your fault. Um, I've felt very ashamed sometimes when I feel like I'm the only one who was or knows the truth. And then I've found that a lot of times it doesn't matter who's right or wrong in the moment. Sometimes it's just about saying, I'll forgive you first. Um, so kind of like walking through the steps, but I do like, I feel statements. I just, it's funny. I feel like I haven't been using them lately. So it's funny. We're having this conversation. I'm like, I feel like I use them often. Yeah. Well, often, you know, uh, you'll go through a long period where you don't need these tools because things are kind of going well, right? Yeah. And then you find yourself in need and you're like, oh, shoot, I'm out of practice. Like, what, where's my bag of tools? Like, what do I do? But I think, you know, one of the, the things you can do on just kind of a daily basis is, you know, the check-in where, like I said, I do the little thing where I say, how can I make your life more wonderful today? But you can have whatever it is that you come up and just kind of, you know, check in with your partner every day to kind of see like where they're at and how you can kind of be supportive of them in, in that moment. Uh, another thing is just the assumption of positive intent. So if you see something's going on with your partner, you can kind of like, I, I got this from Brené Brown is that the story I'm telling is. So you see what's going on with your partner and you say, hmm, the story I'm telling myself right now is that you're mad at me because you're not talking to me. And so it gives them the chance to say, hey, no, that's not what's going on at all. You know, here's what's really happening. Or to say, yeah, I am kind of mad because of this thing that happened and then you guys can talk it out, right? Yeah. But if you, don't, if you assume that they are mad at you and then get mad back, it's like nothing's going to go well. <laughs> you kind of come in with an assumption of positive intent and say, okay, I think they, you know, they probably mean well, but like something's going on. So here's the story I'm telling myself right now. What's really going on? I find that to be a really useful tool. Oh yes, uh, I've I've have a sheer experience. Um, <laughs> I've I've learned to assume a positive intention when I'm in triggered. My body is yeah. triggered. That's yeah. that's really cha a challenge. 
but worth worth um, exploring in the intimate relationship. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. What is a soulmate, ladies? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I I like to think of a soulmate as like a soul equal. It's someone who can kind of meet my soul right where it's at and love me exactly as I am. Because I think often when we get into a relationship, we think, oh, this person has so much potential. <laughs> you know, like, oh, I can see how they might be the perfect partner for me if they changed these little things, right? You can't do that. You can't go into a relationship thinking like, oh, I can help them change these things that I don't like about them. You have to love them exactly where they're at. And then if you inspire them to change those things because they want to be a better like partner to you, great. But you can't come in with that attitude of like, I'm going to fix you because that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to add on top of that for soulmates, at least on that same kind of caliber, also realizing that like you at whatever level, because this is my thing that I like the most is like when people have this idea of soulmates, like I feel like it's also realizing like we as individuals, we're always growing, we're always learning. And so even if our soulmate like grows up like a block away from you or like a town away from you or like in the same coffee shop, because I'm finding out more and more like this is a very small world. Um, it has to be after both of you and your soulmate has developed to like a level where you two are ready to actually meet. Like, I don't know, it's so interesting because like similar to like how Dr. Adrian, like I don't think it's a coincidence that after two marriages, then you meet the love of who you are within your life now. <laughs> like like yeah. it's an experiment, like an experience thing. Like you had to have gone through whatever it was for you to have your daughter and then still have that strength to keep looking for what was still not like being met within your your unsettling desire to find love um same with me like i realized that like i don't know maybe i will end up back in california especially during all these covid things like but i needed to know that i wasn't really to settle i had to leave california I'm like whatever that meant for right now and like i think there's something to be said about not only our soulmates and us but something about like what we have to be willing to continue to shed off in order for it to like just be able to us have more of an abundance to be able to accept yeah. whatever else we've given yeah we're growing so mm. yeah <laughs> mm. according to a dictionary <laughs> soulmate is a person with whom you have an intimate connection the moment you meet a connection mm -hmm. so strong that you're drawn to them in a way you have never experienced before as this connection develops over time you experience a love so deep strong and complex that you begin to doubt that you have ever truly loved anyone prior hmm. okay yeah that sounds like david <laughs> So we actually, it's a funny thing because we knew each other for about four years, actually. Um, but we only knew each other very peripherally and we never really had like a real conversation. And it's a funny thing because I actually thought he looked different than he looks. Like I had this image of him in my mind that like he had dark hair and dark eyes. He has blonde hair and blue eyes, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and... <laughs> 
And it was like he was literally in a shadow. Like I, I could not fully see him. Wow. And then, uh, and he, you know, knew that I was in a relationship at the time. And so he just kind of stayed away because he's Mr. Respectful and was like, mm -mm, not gonna, not gonna go there, right? So it didn't even enter his mind. And then on Boxing Day in 2018, was it 2017 maybe? <laughs> I'm getting the news. Uh, so we were at the same party that we used to go to every year at a friend's place. And then all of a sudden it was like, I was single, he was single. And we looked at each other and it literally was like, we saw each other for the first time. <laughs> And our eyes locked and we were like, whoa, where did you come from? Like, that's how, that's how fast it was. And we, it was like a magnetic, we were just drawn to each other, <laughs> pulled toward each other. We were just grinning at each other like idiots. It was so funny. Our friend was like laughing her butt off in the kitchen because she was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> this is like a movie. And uh, so he handed me a glass of whiskey and I took a sip and then I kissed him. And it was like that fast. <laughs> so love at first sight can happen after four years, apparently. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it was just like, it felt like the universe had been like all the little pins in the lock had been clicking into place over the course of four years. And that final pin fell into place and it was like, finally we could see each other. That's and great. that path was clear and there we were and it felt like he looked straight into my soul and I looked straight into his and he was like the most beautiful thing I had ever seen and I suddenly saw what he actually looked like <laughs> it was like the veil was lifted and I found out later I did not know this that night he by the way about five minutes later he was like I love you and I was like okay <laughs> let's do this uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was that fast. But what had happened earlier that I didn't know about, he had he had given up. He was gonna he like he hadn't found, you know, the person that he was looking for. Uh he was just like done. And so he packed up his truck uh with all his stuff. And that night after the party, he was planning to drive to Idaho and just like I don't know, die there. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so uh, it was really crazy how we both had this moment because I, uh, I also was in this place of, I had just gotten out of this like really messed up relationship that was like four years on again, off again. He really jerked me around. Uh, and I was like, okay, I, you know, I need to work on myself. I need to be alone for a while. Like, I'm not going to do the relationship thing. Like, I'm just going to focus on me. And then all of a sudden this thing happens and we were both like, oh no, this is it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. This sometimes, mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes you just have to let go of all your expectations and just surrender the outcome entirely. Yeah. And really find it. But it can happen. <laughs> it is for real. Uh, yet again, a magical experience you show, show us through words. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> Sunder Light, how about you? Um, I, how did you meet your partner? So at least for Daniel and I, like, and I think I kind of went into it last time, but 
We met on the bus. Uh, I was in New York City and it was me leaving so I could go up. So again, for anyone who's been in New York City, I I don't know how to explain this, but the bus system is just amazing. And for these last few years, um, and it's, it's getting better now, um, but when I had first started working at LaGuardia Airport as one of the engineers building um, three of the, the center roadways um, in front of the airport, I was leaving one day so I could make it up to a volunteer event I had um, up in the gala in the Bronx. So at this gala, they wanted us there like by seven. I was trying to leave by like three, didn't get off to like 4.30, get on this bus. And as soon as I get on this bus right across the streetway um, on the, I think it was the M60, I look across and I see Daniel just sitting there. And I don't know, kind of like how um, Dr. Adrian talked about David, it, it's one of those moments that you, you see someone, you just know they're different, like one, He's wearing like an outback outfit like uh like he literally looked like someone from like um a, a safari with his shirt unbuttoned the uh, that uh safari hat like a necklace that looked like a shark tooth with like three-piece suit under his arm and i just felt so dumbfounded like looking like someone who had just like worked outside in the field for the day um sitting across from him and it wasn't until he looked at me looking at him that I got embarrassed. I went to like read my book. <laughs> but um, I was like, I shouldn't even be here right now. I'm playing. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't stop. I'm, I'm supposed to look really fancy right now going to the gala. Um, and now this guy who just looks like someone who like dropped in from a catalog um, is staring at me. And I'm like, okay, well, this isn't that bad. So then all of a sudden I went to like, like read for my book and he goes back to whatever he's doing and this woman gets on the bus and she sits down next to me and as she's trying to get all her stuff she asks me to move I'm like this doesn't make sense you now want me to move and whatever so I move and I ask her why she needs to sit there she said it was easier for her stuff she just got back seeing her family five minutes into it she stops our conversation to say I don't mean to disrupt us but that boy has not stopped staring at you since I sat down on this bus. So then me and Daniel start talking. As me and Daniel start talking, like a couple minutes into it, she stops us again to be like, I don't mean to stop you, but I'm a matchmaker. You need to give this boy your number. Oh, so I was your angel. Kid. I love it. Oh my God. She, she was the best. So yeah, me and Daniel, like, and it was only interesting because like I, I don't know what had me volunteer that day. I don't know at that point what had had him get on that bus or actually want to have my phone number or anything like that, but it just was supposed to happen. Um, but yeah, ever since then, like it is kind of crazy because it's like, I feel like so often I, I tell myself like, um, I should be in a relationship where um, things have hardships, things have struggle, things aren't supposed to seem like fairy tales. And then I look over every morning when I wake up and I'm like, this is Daniel. He loves me. He wants to wake up next to me today. And as far as I'm concerned, while he's still asleep, he wants to do the same thing tonight and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what fairy tales are. I don't know what it looks like to have people have the relationships that they want. Um, but when, when people ask me, I don't know what it actually means to be in a relationship that is your fairy tale, um, 
it, it definitely works better when you're with someone who's willing to ask questions too. Mm -hmm. um, that's the big thing. Cause I know we kind of mentioned that earlier, like, um, what does it look like? It's, it's also to have like a soulmate who is still asking the same types of questions. You don't have to ask the same questions all, but have similar questions you both have curiosities towards. Um, mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And then the time you guys spent is timeless, right? When, when things are clicking like that. Interesting. <laughs> I can sense your love from the light and Dr. Adrian. Yes, yes. You know, it's interesting. Um, Sunderlight, you mentioned you used to think that relationship has to have hardship and some conflict. And, and also, Dr. Adrian, you've experienced those relationships prior to your current partner. And as we dialogue about the soulmate and definition of that, and you both having that, uh, also understanding the importance of still boundary setting and clear communication and taking care of your need and lo loving yourself. Um, I'm growing hope that this relationship, almost like a fairy tale, does exist and we can have it all. Again, we're reminded that we can have it all. Mm -hmm. um, the, up, the caveat is take care of myself, my, take responsibility of my needs, my language, the way I set boundary, and so on. Mm -hmm. mm, I'd like to read you, ladies, from the joinonelove.org website, um, what, what love, healthy relationship is. Yeah. And there are 10 signs of a healthy relationship. One is comfortable pace. Yeah, you can relate mm -hmm. to that. Mm -hmm. Number two is trust. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and does and trust, um, you build trust over time. Does it, did it happen uh, over time for you ladies or from the get-go you had trust to each other? I, For me, I always give up and I, I guess this is, at least in my mind, it's never steered me wrong. I give everyone 100% trust um, right off the bat. Um, I don't think it's something someone should earn. I think just as humans, we have trust. Um, and then from there, I go from there. But usually the people that are around me, they've never actually steered me wrong to have me ever second guess if I, I should ever not give trust first and foremost. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. I trust first. And then when, so, you know, when that trust is broken, again, I tend to uh, assume positive intent and find out, you know, what's really going on there. And then if I see a pattern, that's when I'm out. Yeah. Because what I find is if there's a pattern and I point it out and they're not interested on in working on that pattern, then there's literally nothing I can do because you cannot change anybody's pattern for them, especially if it's an unconscious pattern that they don't want to become aware of. And so if you try to make someone aware of it and they fight against you and they try to make you wrong, you know, I often what you find is when someone breaks your trust and then you point that out to them, 
they immediately get defensive and they start making you wrong. And sometimes even before you catch them, even before you figure out what it is, they start finding ways to make you wrong. Because in their mind, they've, they have to justify that they've done something that you don't even know about yet, <laughs> but they know about it. And so they have to tell themselves, oh, well, they deserved it because. And so when someone in a relationship, you know, if you, a relationship seems to be going along great, everything's good, you're having no problems. And then all of a sudden they seem to be nitpicking or coming after you for small things or telling you you're wrong about things. That's when you got to say, Ooh, something happened here. Something happened that I'm not even aware of yet. Yeah, there's a red flag here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> Just, um, number three, healthy relationship is honesty. Mm-hmm. Honesty. Rigorous honesty. Right. <laughs> you know the honesty is possible if i am completely honest with myself right mm -hmm. that's the model that we can uh, go by and honesty yeah. and trust is hand in hand it goes hand in yeah. hand absolutely mm -hmm. And sometimes honesty is not even like, you know, coming clean about things that aren't good. It's just about being honest about what is good too. It's about being authentic with your enthusiasm and your joy and saying, you know, I really love this about you and I love that you do this and, and having gratitude, you know, outward gratitude for what's good and what you really love so that they can see that. Because often what happens is we think they know. Like, oh, you, you know, you know, I love you, right? Like, no, they don't because they're not up in your head. <laughs> and so honesty isn't just about like, hey, you really pissed me off the other day. Honesty is, you know, when I came home and I was really tired and then you did the dishes without like, you know, me having to ask you, like that made a huge difference to my day. That yeah. kind of yeah. honesty too. I was going to say, at least for the, some of the times when me and Daniel are like on like the out and about and like traveling and stuff, it's like sometimes the honesty is just like, hey, when I'm driving and you're sleeping, um, can you roll down your window? But instead of having the car be too cold, he'll now turn the heater on my side. So it's having those types of conversations mm -hmm. before we even have like that issue of like me then being upset. Because then the next time, and it's really cute, because, like, when I drive now, I know, like, if I want the heater on, I roll down his window when he's on the driver's side. Or yeah. Passengers. But, yeah, sometimes the honesty is just having it be said um, instead of it having to be discovered. That's what I right. like. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just being proactive. Yeah. Yeah. And sharing little things, you know, even things that you don't necessarily think are going to be a big deal or going to be that important to, to your partner, just sharing things I think is really important. Um, you know, they won't always be that interested and that's fine. <laughs> but, you know, if things are important to you and you share them with your partner and, you know, that partner is turning toward that and showing some interest, like that's what partnership is. It's just those little daily check-ins, you know? Yeah, I love that. Expressing how they make you feel loved and how you how you like to love them and honesty, honestly, yeah. um, verbalizing those qualities and things. That can really uh, sustain the relationship, right? When even if someone says, 
every five compliments cancels one criticism. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> five to one ratio. So, <laughs> number four is independence. Mm-hmm. Freedom to be independent, also collaborative in partnership. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Americans do independence very skillfully because it's embedded in the culture. What would you advise for Asian couples if you were to, you know, put yourself in the Asian perspective? Uh, just, just to be, just for fun. I know you guys are uh, Americans, um, you know, Caucasian and Caucasian and uh, African, African American mix, right? And I'm Asian. So, what, from your perspective, you know, what does independence in a couple look like for Asian couple, traditional? It's a fun skit. So again, I think this goes back to honesty and it's really about sharing with your partner, hey, this is a thing that is really important to me uh, and making sure you make time for whatever that thing is. So, you know, even if your partner is like, I have no interest in that, like, okay, great. Well, I'm going to go and do that, you know, during this time and during this time you can go and do something that I have no interest in. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also you may find that when you start, you know, like it, let's say your partner is in a band, just as an example, right? Maybe they play some music that you're not that into, you know, you, you wouldn't normally go to their concerts, but you go because you want to be supportive and you want to like be a good partner. You may find that the experience of going to the concerts or, you know, the, the performances is really enjoyable for you because you get to talk to other spouses of people in the band or, you know, dance or whatever it is, you might find that just that experience is enjoyable to you. So give it a try, I would say, before you just go like, mm, I don't, I'm not interested in that. Always kind of, if, if you can do things as a part partnership, I think that's always preferable. But I also think there's absolutely nothing wrong with supporting your partner by saying, I, I'm not interested in that, but you go do that and have have a great time. You know, <laughs> being supportive in that way is great too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, the more you were, like right now when you're talking about, I was like, oh, I guess the way I'd see the coupling is like having like a designated time or sequence that you guys would talk about it. Like, say you guys are doing um, different extracurricular activities, or you guys are in different work areas. Like having a designated like dinner or like time when you guys actually do come together and get to speak about it um because the other thing and again I'm still kind of like figuring out like what that actually means is realizing that if it's something that it hasn't even been discussed before you guys go to like an event together or before there is like um um a holiday or a festival you guys are going to spend together um if those conversations haven't been had um, it might not be the best to try to have them while you're at those set events. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. So I'm almost like, wait a second. I feel like there's more groundwork to be done. Um, but if you are going to like have them as like conversations and stuff, I'd, I'd probably say do them um, when it's just those two people. Um, but I would say try to have it during a time that um, doesn't seem stressful. So for me, I, I usually feel like um, maybe times like, right before you work out and then have a great workout session um, or have those kinds of conversations um, like right before, I don't know, like tea or something or um, 
I don't know, probably not before bed. That's, I don't know, maybe dinner is the best time. Maybe food is just a good time coping mechanism. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I've never thought about that. When would be a good time to have those types of coupling kind of conversations? I want to say too, so David is a very, like, I'm a very social person and he is yeah. a very not social person. <laughs> he, he's great one-on-one, you know, he's one of those people that's like, you know, he will, he will keep you laughing nonstop when it's just the two of you. But then when he gets into a group, it's like, he doesn't say anything and he's <laughs> like looking uncomfortable. And we had this actually really messed up situation very early on in our relationship where I kind of talked him into going to this dinner party with me because I was like, oh, you're going to love it. It's going to be so much fun. You know, there's all these people that you're going to meet and it's going to be great. And luckily it was not very far from our apartment. So the way I talked him into it was like, if you're really not enjoying it, you can just, you know, walk home and I'll find my own way home. And so he was like, okay. So I brought him to this thing and like immediately I could see that he was just like freaked out. Yeah. Totally freaked out. And he was like, I do not want to be here. And so, you know, I kind of came over to him and like tried to, you know, help him have a good time, but it wasn't working. And so I was like, hon, do you want to go home? He's like, oh God. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll see you later. And then when I got home, he was like sitting on the back porch in the dark by himself, like drinking. And I was like, whoa. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and I sat down and I was like, are you okay? He's like, <laughs> like, I am so sorry. Like I put you in this very traumatic situation. I didn't even realize it. So I gave him a big hug and he's like, please don't ever do that again. And I'm like, I won't, I won't. I promise. Like from now on, if I'm going to like a big, you know, crowded event, yeah. I'll go by myself or I'll go with friends, you know, and you like watch a violent movie or like whatever it is that you want to do (laughs) that I wouldn't want to do with you right (laughs) and that works out great but it was one of those moments where it was like I thought you know I didn't realize how much Mm -hmm. he didn't like this you know yeah and so I was like okay from now on make sure like if it's really important if it's a strong boundary for you like set that strong boundary you know just say no like, don't do it because, you know, you're trying to make me happy because then it'll make both of us uh, very unhappy. Mm-hmm. Right. So if there's something that you do not want to join me for, like, just say so. And yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll respect that. I'm not going to yeah. try to talk you into it anymore. He's like, okay, good. Oh, I love that. It's very clean. I, you say yeah. you say yes or no. I respect that. Let's move on and let's work something that works for us. Exactly. Yeah. That yeah. sounds like a new level of like self-love again, like for them to be responsible of that. And then you in that moment. Yeah. Kudos yeah. on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Number five is respect. We definitely dialogue about this respect. What does that look like? Number six is equality. I, I want to, we want to say equity, right? Equity. Yeah. Equity. Yeah. Equity. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Number seven is kindness. Mm. And goes back to work together, you know? Yeah. Because when you are treating each other equitably, when you're making sure that everyone's needs are met, even though those needs may be very different, you're having respect for the needs of the other person and being kind by saying, I recognize that you have a different need than I do. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, respect that need and be kind about it and vice versa. A quick question. Yeah. The 
equity, right? One person um, wants to live in America and another person wants to live in South Korea. And where's the <laughs> equity? <laughs> and how does this marriage work? How a relationship can work? <laughs> Maybe we have to re- reinvent the type of relationship that is, that is rather non-traditional, maybe. Yeah, Maybe. that's a really tough one. Uh, you know, long distance relationships are very hard. I will say that it is very, very hard to maintain a long distance relationship. That said, I think it can be done. And I think it's really important, you know, to, to both of you to be, you know, in those two different places, then you can make it work. And I've seen people make it work. I actually have some friends who have one of them, you know, they have an apartment in Seattle and an apartment in, uh, I think it's San Diego. And so they kind of split time between the two. Yeah. Um, you know, there are ways, there are ways to make things work is all I will say about that. But also I think the, the assumption that the woman should be the one to kind of leave her job or leave her opportunity so that the man can pursue it. We're, we're past that. Uh, Yeah. We're done with that. We're done. Yeah. And exactly. We want to have a balanced equilibrium and equity. I've learned my lesson. Okay, (laughs) (laughs) number eight, taking responsibility. Very Mm -hmm. cool. And knowing what we want and speaking clearly is taking responsibility, whether they say yes or no. It's it's secondary. Mm, Okay. Mm -hmm. And the I feel statement is taking responsibility, right? Yeah, yeah. What is a healthy conflict? Number nine, healthy Mm -hmm. conflict comes up. I think a healthy conflict is when you can learn from the other person because conflict is always an opportunity to learn if you look at it correctly. <laughs> yeah, and so again, if you if you have an assumption of positive intent and you're taking responsibility for your own feelings and you can have a conversation around it where you can really hear what the other person is saying and take it in and learn something new, then it can be a very positive thing. Yeah, I think conflict is just anytime you're getting a new answer that you haven't heard before. Like literally, even if it's still a good thing, it's I, I think conflict is an awesome thing to have in relationships because a lot of times it just has you re-listen in a way that it's like, okay, and what I just heard is this something that's actually going to be beneficial for both of us or is this something that's actually going to be something that is okay? Because I, I only the way I'm saying it right now is like in my head when I I think it was like a Dane Cook joke. I forgot exactly how it went, but it was kind of like um, when you hear people asking things like a grocery aisle and all of a sudden it goes from being like, um, I asked you in the grocery store if you were going to get the peanut butter and um, jelly so we could make sandwiches. And it's like, Oh, I could have sworn you asked last week, like little things all of a sudden, like there's like a little nitpicky thing. Um, so conflict can be something of just like realizing like at the end of the day, I still like the sound of their voice. Um, Cause one day that might be something that changes and you never know. Um, but yeah, sorry, I wanted a tangent right there. Cause I, I was just finding out the other day too from my friend that apparently like for the first few years, there's like every anniversary, like there's paper. And then like, I guess this is year four. So it's like wood, um, year 25 is like silver, like whatever those ones are. Um, but yeah, conflict is interesting because what could not be an issue right now that you absolutely adore could be something that becomes a pet peeve later. So keeping that in check 
Yeah, I love that you bring out the elements and the the co co mingling of the elements within the year, seasons, and you know life. And things change all the time, and change is the only constant thing there is. Constant thing there is. Um, it it brings us to the last point. What is a healthy relationship? One criteria. The last criteria is fun. Mm-hmm. So important. <laughs> so important. We have a date night every Thursday night, and yeah, it's we are sacred about that. Like, if we don't get to do it on Thursday, then it's gonna happen on Friday, or we're gonna make it happen on Wednesday. Like, we make sure that date night happens, and we don't necessarily have to go out. It's not about that. It's not like you know, especially right now. <laughs> you know, you don't even have to go out and do something together. It's just about having that quality time where you're having fun together. Whatever that looks like for you as a couple, super important. Yeah, Sandra, like, are you having fun in California? I am. It's honestly, it's kind of interesting because right now, while I'm hearing this podcast going on, my friend who I used to do rose float with, and actually was the first person who ever brought Burning Man up to me, is really having conversations with Daniel right now. So it's it's only interesting because at the same time, I'm living in a life where I can be on a road trip and podcasting. Like that is happening in the room next to me right now. So it's funny when you say, "Am I having fun?" I'm just realizing, like, how awesome is it that every time you get to reinvent your own life, you get to ask, like, "What's your next level of fun?" Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I I am having so much fun because I didn't know this was a reality that existed like five years ago. Before I thought, "Hey, maybe I'll turn this into a book one day." <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm surprised. I know, right? <laughs> There's always more layers. <laughs> surprise, surprise, surprise. So this is where we um, conclude our episode four. Um, the fun for me is talking with you, ladies. Uh, this is my public date with you, ladies. Mm-hmm. I love intellectual conversations with different types of people and different um, world perspectives. And so here's where we say, see you later. Bye. Bye. Life of Emerald presents five episode podcast series on women's equilibrium and the meaning of marriage. Welcoming Dr. Adrian, the founder of That's Allowed podcast and an author of Melting Ivory. And Sunderlight, the author of Here Lies Sunderlight. Next week, we will dialogue finally about empowering women's solo journey and resources and debunking lies told to women about marriage, men's role, men's role, women's role in society, and conclude our episode series with all that we spoke about. All right, see you later.